I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the No Ratings Podcast and I, this is the one episode and I've been trying to hold myself back but this is the first episode where I am dying to get my teeth into this because we're recording right after Arsenal have just beaten Liverpool 3-2 but before we get into all of that, uh, it's a three-man team this time, Sakib, who you will have heard of before and had joined us as well, uh, the man who's killing it on TikTok and generally on socials man, he's, he's a handsome guy killing it. Um, but I'm going to throw you under the bus, and I'm really sorry. Right off the bat, our new guests get asked a question that they normally can't prep for. The question is very simple, but can you tell us a fun fact about yourself? A fun fact about myself? Uh, it's going to be football-related once again. Uh, actually, uh, when I was 16, uh, I played competitive badminton. What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, let me let me tell you at home who's listening to this why this is even funnier because we just recorded that intro and <laughs> tech issues meant we couldn't go forward. We had to go from the top again. And so I thought Hadj was playing up going, mm, uh, mm. He completely dropped a different fact. Initially, it was he played semi-pro football for six years. Now, apparently, he's played badminton at the age of 16. What is going on? Um, I was going to say... Gone. I was going to ask Hadj what your origins are because I have a theory. Ooh, take a guess. I love to know what what people, what people think. Egyptian. Let me have a guess. I reckon uh, Moroccan. See, I always get those two because of the hair. I always get those two. Listen, I'm saying Moroccan because you're <laughs> you're paying in it. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's it called? I'm Iraqi. Oh, oh sick. Oh, raw. Mm. 
What was the what was the theory, Sakib? Well, basically, badminton was a one sport. Me and my whole family, as Pakistanis, could just play. But like, I picked up a badminton racket and I was good from no training. I was just good from default. Um, and Iwobi just scored and had is fuming. Iwobi is one of the top informed <laughs> midfielders in the Prem right now. By the way, let that be known. I, I would like to just add. This is amazing. This is the first time we're recording a pod while there's a game going on at the same time. But the game was finishing too late to record the pod. Hadj is of course a United fan and Everton League one. No, he's just put, he's covered his face. Um, <laughs> hey, listen, talk us through the goal. People will have seen it by by the time this goes out anyway. But I I haven't seen the goal. What's going on? It's, it's, it's a quality goal to be fair like no, nobody closed him down but I never really knew that um, Iwobi had that in his locker to be fair but he, he's a man on form like uh, he's, big up Iwobi man shout out he's a man on form Casemiro loses the ball in the centre and then ooh that's a curl it's an R1 isn't it he pressed R1 yeah, <laughs> nah, it's, it's a peach of a goal it's actually sweet it's actually it's very iconic lovely um, right we won't talk too much about United Everton unless it literally turns into a, a, a whale of a game uh, as always, we're going to start with the icebreaker. But in fact, just before I do, I just want to very quickly say, last week we were 55th in the Apple podcast charts, which you're probably thinking 55th, like how low is that? But it's kind of like tennis. Like if you're 55th in tennis, that's that's like sick. So we're doing very, very well. So we appreciate you. Keep liking, following the pod, getting in touch with us at no ratings pod uh, on socials as well. And as always, we kick off with the icebreaker from last week, which was which player born in the 2000s and beyond will be the first to win the Ballon d'Or. Um, Haaland is the obvious shout. Had you got anyone different? Haaland, the thing is, I don't I don't know players' ages. That's the problem. Uh, like <laughs> hey, we'll tell you. Them. We'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, like, okay, cool. So, earlier I said Jao Felix, but apparently he's 1999. Uh, he misses out by two months. So, you know, he's half a shout. Oh, come on. We can put never... him in. <laughs> I'm interested to know why, though. I feel like, Everyone says he massively flopped, 107 million or something ridiculous, and it hasn't it, worked. It, it was it was it was a ridiculous fee, based on how he performed against Benfica. But he he was amazing in in that league. And look, with all due respect to that league, it's not the most competitive. It's not the mm. most intense. But a player of his age to carry that Benfica team, and it's not just from goals. Like I mean, goals, assists. He was he was their talisman at the age of 19, and. Do you know what it was? It was it was a it was a recipe. It was a recipe for a disaster when Simeone signed him. Like even yep. me, I was baffled. I was like, he's not a Simeone type of player. But people told me, ah, oh, Simeone is trying to tweak his philosophy and he's trying to play a completely different play style. And it was it was nonsense from day one. But I forever stand by it. Like even when I watch him till today, I don't think he's got the consistency to perform the same way he performed at Benfica week in, week out. But those glimpses that you see. Like last year when Man United got knocked out of the Champions League, he was one of their best players. Mm. The is there a move for him? Is it, Sorry, like, is there a move for him? Because I don't see Simeone going anywhere anytime soon. Does he? What's the situation? Does he stay in there for a long term now? I think eventually, especially because Atletico have got some financial problems at the moment. I think when you look at their team, how many how many assets do they have in that team that they can actually generate some money? I think he's the only one. Like everybody Felix else, to you, yeah, Felix to United, else old in age, bro. I'd, I'd love him at Man United. We can give them Bruno free. <laughs> oh <laughs> man, oh, I wish this was a United conversation because I so want this Bruno conversation, but no one wants to have it. Oh, Bruno Fernandez, man. Oh, god. Um, let's not talk Bruno. Uh, Sakib, have you got a suggestion for a player? 
Yeah, I'm going Vinicius. Obviously, Haaland's the obvious choice, but I just think the Norway thing's going to let him down. He's not going to be able to shine on those stages. So I think Vinicius will nick one before Haaland does, based on performances mm-hmm. for Brazil and Real Madrid. And I don't think Man City have that prestige yet. I just don't think it matters that much, as much. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would tend to slightly disagree. Um, I think Haaland wins the Premier League, scores 45 Premier League goals. How do you like... how? How does anyone go, yeah, that's not a Ballon d'Or winning season? That's an outrageous feat to achieve in the Premier League. So I will back Haaland. It's obvious, but I think it's obvious for a reason. Um, Aside from Ballon d'Ors, aside from Haaland, aside from Bruno, I hope we can get to a point where we can talk about Bruno in this pod because I'm desperate for that dialogue. I've seen Hadji's TikToks and I'm like, oh man, I want to talk about him so bad. Um, Let's talk Liverpool-Arsenal. Arsenal 3, Liverpool 2, Arteta went berserk at the end of the game. Liverpool kept sort of digging in there and finding a way to stay in the game. Trent comes off. Gomez comes on. We see Henderson play right midfield, right wing. A lot happened. But before we, before I just rant, because in reality, yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. Um, Thakib, your thoughts on the game? I'm not surprised. Um, it's nice. As a neutral, it's very nice to see a changing of guard. I'm very happy to see it. Um, having watched it all or nothing as well. Just nice to see Arteta come across like a nice guy. And you feel like, I don't know, when I watch these documentaries, I'm like, oh, they're actually human. So now looking at them like Xhaka's arc, you know, as a narrative, I love that. So I'm, I'm glad to see it. It would have been boring having another Man City-Liverpool season, I think. Um, so surprised, though. Surprised by some of the Klopp's choices. He looks rattled. He looks a bit confused. Trent and Salah on the bench by 60 minutes is uh, is, is worrying. Faj, I'm guessing you're somewhere around that position as well? Uh, To be fair, I actually expected Arsenal to win. So it's like, I understand Liverpool fans' disappointment, but it's like, just, just from the get-go, I was like, there's there's no way they beat that Arsenal team. Like, I've been so impressed with Arsenal. And the funny thing is, is yeah, like, this might come across like another interesting fact. Yeah, like, so many people that, that like watch my content, they always call me like, Had you're like an undercover Liverpool fan. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> <laughs> they, they always say it to me, yeah, but it's because I like Klopp, I'll be honest with you, like as in I like Klopp, but I think what it is at the moment with Liverpool is the squad is poor, you've got a lot of underperformance, but I think the problem is, is that season after season, Liverpool go for the title, they go for the Champions League, they go for all domestic cups and history has shown that they always fall short at that final hurdle. Mm. what it is is that sooner rather than later you have to tweak that team you have to bring in new faces new players that like rally the troops besides the manager and the thing is Liverpool's recruitment they might sign one or two players at best and when I look at this Liverpool team like the starting 11 some of the players I get the vibe that they've lost faith in themselves because they look at last year they fell short they look at three who are you specifically talking about there as in in terms of players that have lost faith in themselves Mm. I'd say stand out. I'd say, to be fair, with Trent, I think it's a mixture. He's lost faith in himself because you have to bear in mind that he doesn't get chosen for the Euros. All eyes are on him whenever Liverpool concede. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's also lost faith in, in Klopp. Like, and when players begin to lose faith in their manager, that's when they begin to down, to down tools. Hmm. I think that's an interesting point as well. To like, If I'm in the Man City dressing room and I'm looking to my left and you, you've let Sterling go, you've let Jesus go, but... Now I'm looking at Harlan next to me. I'm looking at Alvarez next to me. I'm seeing new blood, new desire. People that haven't done this before. Mm. 
I, I, I don't feel like Salah's looking to Nunes and be like, I'm so glad you're here. Or, you know, it's probably more, oh, Mane's gone. And I don't think Diaz is big enough to fill those boots. It just feels like there's a bit of a malaise set in the dressing room. I agree. Mm, I See, the thing is, I'm a huge Klopp fan. And I agree to an extent that, like, I think where Liverpool have changed the type of profile they've signed, they've gone from, like, an elite winner in Sadio Mane to... Uh, Let's be honest, Diaz has looked good, but he's not as clinical as Mane. Mane is like a title-winning winger. Diaz is like a... he he. If Diaz didn't come to Liverpool, he could have played for Arsenal, if you know what I mean. like He wasn't quite ready to go and compete for a title, and I still don't think he is. Darwin, probably the same. But then I look at Klopp, and in this game in particular, in the last one, Klopp subbed Milner and Elliott on when Liverpool had a very decent amount of control in their last game, which ended up throwing the game off. Uh, subbed, Milner, uh, subbed Henderson and... I can't remember the other player. But then this week, he's Cavalier. Subbed... Cavalier, yeah. Uh, this week, he subbed off Salah and Jota in a situation where Liverpool need creativity. And he's played Henderson at right side of midfield, stroke right wing. Um, and then tactically, Liverpool got pumped after that. Absolutely pumped. Um, I'm just going to side away from that. Anthony's just scored for United this one. one. Um, and Hadj is very, very happy. Um, Do you I, think I there's look... a balance issue there, Nabeid? You, because when I it was like Trent's on and you're a bit too attacking and you're exposed Gomez comes on and you're more resolute you're defending well but then you've got nothing going that way like do you think Klopp doesn't know or hasn't got the players to get the balance right this is the thing right I, I, I'm sat there and I'm going yes people are absolutely battering Trent but if you watch that second half and left thinking Liverpool were better as a team without Trent you're not you don't know football Liverpool are definitely better, somewhat more resolute defensively, yet they still conceded goals. Yet Martinelli was still all over Gomez. Gomez did better mm. than what Trent did. But then going forward, Gomez gave Liverpool nothing because he's not that sort of player. The Darwin Nunez goal comes from a Trent ball down the side. The penalty shot comes from Trent's ball down the side. So I get when people say, and I was having this argument earlier this week about Trent is a liability I don't think he's a liability as such. Teams are naturally going to attack down that side because Liverpool are lopsided. Liverpool let Trent go forward and Henderson currently doesn't have the legs to cover him behind. And it's just a bit of a mishmash, which has now resulted in people going, Trent's garbage, Trent's finished, Trent's this, Trent's that. Trent is still Liverpool's most creative player by country mile. And Klopp relied on Henderson at right side of midfield or right wing to give him the same level of creativity against an Arsenal side. And we will talk Arsenal because it's only fair we will. Um, but against an Arsenal side that are raw, ready and, and ready to go at Liverpool. And I, I had to hear your point about Klopp, but Alan Raj said this on the pod a while ago. Is a tiny bit of you starting to think Klopp is just happy to compete? Like Klopp doesn't mind playing Milner at left back, doesn't mind playing... Um, Gomez at right midfield, right back doesn't mind playing Henderson at right wing because he's quite content with. Well, we'll we'll be in and amongst it at some point. I'd say, you know, you know what it is about Klopp, and I think it's it's a good thing, but at times it can be a bad thing. So, some managers, I feel like sometimes they have too much faith in their own ability. So, mm. shall we say they're a little bit arrogant? They're a little bit too confident. So it's like sometimes you look at some managers; they'll sign bang average players but they can turn those bang average players into quality players. And that's that's one thing that Klopp has been known for at Liverpool. Like, like let's be real, like the seasons where Liverpool won the, the, the Premier League, the Champions League, you didn't have a team like Manchester City where we're talking you've signed world-class players. Nah, like 
Klopp turned some bang average Joes into very good ballers that can perform week in, week out. And I think what it is with Klopp at the moment is, I think he's definitely frustrated because of a lack of recruitment. That's mm. without a doubt. Like Liverpool, I'm not even a Liverpool fan. Like in the summer, I looked at like Liverpool team and I was like, last year they were dying out for a midfielder. And they were like, you know what? We'll give it 12 months. The summer comes and they're still not looking at midfielders. And as much as I defend Darwin Nunes because I feel like he is the scapegoat for Liverpool's downfall this year, I looked at the team and I was like, there's no way you guys are spending that much on Darwin when you need minimum two midfielders. Mm. So Klopp will definitely be frustrated, but I don't think Klopp is the type of person that's going to come out and just complain to the whole world. And I think he looks at it and he feels like he can get something out of Harvey Elliott. He can get something out of, um, I don't know his first name, sorry, but the Carvalho kid from... Fabio Carvalho, yeah. From, from Fulham. But the, the problem is, is that when I look at this Liverpool team, especially in attack, like touching on Trent quickly, I think... Trent defensively, I think he is a liability, but I feel like in the past, um, your good midfield has made up for it because when Trent is so advanced, one of your midfielders shifts to the side and covers him. But mm. at the moment, Fabinho is not the Fabinho. He was horrible last oh, year. Oh, man. Yeah. What's going Fabinho on? was horrible when he came on. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he's picked up that same form this year. So he hasn't been the same player for about 18 months. Henderson and Milner don't have the legs. And especially the the fact that Liverpool play such a high intensity game where it's literally end to end like rock and roll football. You mm. need leg. Milner and Henderson don't have it, so you're now relying on a Harvey Elliott. And there was that little period when Elliott played on the right, and it was that a trio of yeah. Elliott, Trent, and Salah. It it looked good at times, but on the transition, Liverpool was still getting murdered. And you guys, you guys need midfielders, and I think at the moment, like you can't sign anybody, so you're just, you're just gonna have to make do with what you have. I've got a question that I'm intrigued. This is the internet's most popular theory right now, and I quite love it too. That Virgil van Dijk is saving himself for the World Cup. And I'm looking at this body language. I'm looking at performance. This guy was the best centre-back in the world. It's undeniable. And he doesn't look anywhere near that right now. What Do you think there's any stock in that theory? Because the internet loves it, and my friends love it, and I quite love it. Mm. Ah, John, no. let you take this on. I don't. I'm the same. I. But it's weird that we both had the same reaction. We both went. Mm. Well, he's no. not himself, right? We can admit that. Firstly, he's not himself right now. I think. I think he's not himself, but you could say the whole of Liverpool's team is not themselves. Like Mo Salah. Like mm. the, the funny thing is, I've been saying this about Mo Salah. Where I was like, last year at times, Mo Salah would get you that goal, would get you that assist, but. His 90-minute performance isn't special. But besides today, I've watched Mo Salah this year and I'm like, you know what? I'm actually impressed mm. by his performances. It's just there's no there's no output, which is what Mo Salah is known for. But with Van Dijk, I think it touches on the midfield again. Like, it, it's like Van Dijk, especially during Liverpool's good seasons, you could say it was that the trio in Liverpool's core was Van Dijk, Joe Matip and a very dominant Fabinho. Fabinho, even when he plays, he's non-existent. Like, he gets bypassed. Once Fabinho gets bypassed, no matter how good your centre-backs are, against certain opposition, they will get cooked. And I think what it is with Liverpool at the moment, is like defeat after defeat. They're dropping points every week. Like, of course, confidence is going to be down. But I don't think I don't think it's a World Cup thing at all. The thing about Van Dijk is, right, if you hyper-analyse Van Dijk's body language, even when Liverpool were good, you could still say his body language was lazy because he defends mm. in that manner. That, he's passing. The aura. Yeah, he's 
Yeah, he's passive. He, he defends on the idea that he's faster and stronger than anyone, which is fine in 1v1 situations, which is how Liverpool were playing when they were high-pressing, when their midfield were winning the second balls. Uh, as Hatch said, now the situation is, in, in just the, the Arsenal game alone, you're getting Jesus going man for man against him and you're getting Saka running around the side. You're getting Erdegaard running around the side. Mm. I don't care who you are, you're not going to be able to deal with it. That's the reality of it. And I think the, the problem for Liverpool now is the midfield just gets completely bypassed. It's like the midfield is non-existent. And so the opposition are basically playing against the back line and the Liverpool's front men are not pressing. So now the balls are getting clipped down the side easily. Now that offside trap looks silly, which obviously Jamie Carragher is going to love because he thinks he's silly the whole time, but it allows Liverpool to be more dominant. Um, so I, I think to to answer the question, I don't think he's saving himself for the World Cup. I also wonder, like, how do you psychologically do that, right? Like, how, You can't just stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, It'd be mm. too bait. And I don't think it's a case of it's really bait. Um, or at least... I. I don't feel like it's that way. I don't know if you feel like it's that, that, it's that way. Exactly. I, I don't think it's that way. I wouldn't have the evidence to say. I just know if I was a footballer and the love that I have for my country, if I had missed the Euros, I'm now 31 recovering from a serious ACL injury. I'm thinking this is my last chance. I might pull out of a few 50-50s. I might not sprint at full speed. I don't know. I, it, I know it would play on my mind because representing my country in the World Cup, once I've won the Premier League and Champions League and all that, it would be the last thing on my list. So I was just wondering. Yeah, this. Uh, let's let's check very quickly. Is Klopp's job on the line, Hajj? Nah, there's 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 too much credit in the bank. There's mm. there's too much credit in the bank, and I feel Liverpool is a big enough club where if they were to sack Klopp, you have to look out and see who's available to replace him. Liverpool don't strike me to be the type that are going to go get a top manager who's currently in work and pay out his um his release clause in a sense but now nah, like what what Klopp has done over the years it warrants him this time like you have to bear in mind I think was it what two three years ago that season when Liverpool had every single injury known to man mm. everybody looked at Liverpool and they were like yo like Liverpool are not even going to get Europa League and then what come May Liverpool sneak into third like he's mm. like I feel with Liverpool once the ball gets rolling they are probably the only team, well, to be fair, you can add Arsenal to it this year, but they are the only team besides City that can go on a 10-game win run. They are the only team. They could just pick up 30 points easily. Mm. Well, you look at that whole team, the defence is underperforming. The midfield is non-existent. The attack is underperforming. Like Liverpool's attack is good enough to win you games, even if you were to ship in three a game. Like when Liverpool, when sorry, when Klopp first took over, I remember he had like an interview and he was like, like at the moment, I don't have the players to play the way I want to play. So we're just going to go out there and aim to outscore teams. And I mm. think there was that one game, it was against Norwich. Was it like 5-4? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Like the thing is, he, he, he's he got good enough attackers where it's fine. We can concede three. My attack can score me four. My attack, my attack can score me five. And it's just like Darwin, I'll be real. I, I was happy to see Darwin score today because- Oh, you played, like, he played so well. Yeah, he 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 played well, but of course, if you go on Twitter, you're gonna find a million of compilations because he's very he's very unorthodox. Like I've, yeah. I've said it with Darwin, like he'll bag you a hat trick, but you can probably still get a compilation that makes him look horrendous. But mm. goals win games, and I feel like that goal today will boost his confidence without without a stretch. Sakib, clock running out of time. Um, I don't think he gets sacked in a million years. I don't think there's any scenario where he gets sacked. I think he'll get a dignified exit and it'll be a resignation. Um, 
What do you think is happening now? No, 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 no. As in, I do see a scenario where end of season comes and they part ways, but I don't think it'll ever be a firing or a sacking mid-season kind of vibes. It'll be very dignified. He is a legend. Um, I think pressure's on. I think pressure's on. I don't think he is a man for another rebuild. I don't think he has it. I think he's a romantic. Like, example-wise, if Sterling and Jesus play for Liverpool, they'll still be there. He wouldn't have turned around and said, you know what, we've maxed you out. We've had enough of you. This amount of money's come in. Max value, go. I don't think things are that transactional, that business-minded, maybe because they don't have the funds like City. But I think he's a romantic, he's a loyalist, and I don't see that happening. Mm, yeah. I, it's the first time I've come across Liverpool fans that are a little bit split on Klopp. I'm not split at all. I, I think Klopp is still the right guy for Liverpool, mainly because I don't think there's another manager out there that does what he does. Um, mm. I think another manager comes in and you'll start to see um, Trent not look so incredible because for three, four years, he's he's gone, you are the most technical footballer uh, we've got, you're the most creative footballer we've got, we're going to play you at right back where you can see the whole pitch um, and we're going to cover for all of your tracks and they've done that consistently and now you see it's starting to tail off and people are on his case. Um I think you. I think you'll be fine. I don't know what happens come the end of the season. I think Arsenal. We, we we should very quickly talk about Arsenal. Arsenal are definitely on the sort of trajectory Liverpool were on when Klopp first started to get going. Um, and I start to wonder where is this a case of it's just a change in the guard? Like Liverpool have had their four or five years. Are Liverpool now going to have a dip? Some transfers are not going to be great. Some things are not going to work out. And in four or five years, they come again. Um, is that going to happen? An Arsenal takeover? Um, I watched that game today and I don't think Arsenal are title contenders. I know that sounds ridiculous because they're top and who else actually are. But I actually don't think anyone is a title contender. I think City are just going to win the league. So if you're saying we'll title contender... Second. Yeah, I think, I think they'll finish... Well, I still don't think they'll finish second, to be fair. Um, I think to beat Liverpool, they still had to play at their near enough maximum when Liverpool were playing at like level zero and yeah it's a great thing to win those games um but are arsenal legit legitimate title contender Sakib? like i'm not saying finish second 14 <sighs> points behind city i'm saying can they give it a run the whole way the uniqueness with this season i know everyone's saying it's a bit cliche now is the world cup being slap bang in the middle of the thing if de bruyne comes back injured which is very realistic very possible you just don't know, but on paper right now, you can't. Haaland is just ridiculous. Like It's a complete X factor that I don't think anyone saw this kind of you know, response from him to the Premier League. I don't think he'd adjust this quickly. Mm. Um, I just don't see it. And I, I actually think Potter's Chelsea are going to come slowly in behind really? Arsenal. I think they'll be fighting for second with Arsenal. I don't think anyone's fighting for first. This might come across wild. You know that little, that little break? Uh, for the World Cup, the fact that Haaland's not going, everybody's looking at it and saying, oh, he's going to get a little five, six week rest, mm. which like recharges his batteries. But to be fair, it might go against him because he's going to literally come back into the fold, what, six weeks of no football. But the thing is, he's 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 too much of an animal where I reckon... Yeah, man's a robot, bro. Look at that man, bro. He'll be in the gym every day. Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Like, that's that's what I love about him the most, uh, Erlen Haaland. Like, besides the goals and everything, I love his attitude, like that mentality where it's like, even when you watch him sometimes, he'll be targeted on the pitch. Like, similar to how Anderson targeted Nunes when Liverpool played Crystal Palace. You can foul him, you can clamp him. He doesn't get, he doesn't get annoyed by it. He just gets up and sprints. 
Like he's not, he's not, he's not faced by it at all. But I know, I, think, I know, I know the exact clip you've got in your mind. Is that the Lissandro Martinez clip? Yeah, 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 I got that one. And I think there was even another one. Uh, I think it was against Wolves where um, City must have caught Wolves on the transition. And then Haaland is just going because he knows KDB has the ball mm. and somebody tries to literally clamp him in the centre. And I'm thinking any other footballer would get so annoyed that they would square up to that play. Or if anything, just look at the ref and demand something. He did not care. He just he just sprinted. And now, nah, man, his, his attitude and his mentality is amazing. But I think it's City's title. I think Arsenal getting second would be so impressive. It really would. Mm. But I think... It's going to be a case of where Arsenal are just going to be the team that overtakes Liverpool, that constantly gets second. I can't see Arsenal ever overtaking this Manchester City team with Pep yeah. in charge and with Haaland at Manchester City. And the rumours are Pep's about to sign a new deal. They only signed Haaland this summer. So you're looking at another, what, three, four years of Manchester City just dominating the league. Unless Arsenal actually address a few problems and they're starting 11 and then maybe you never know like it could be another less season I would say you're I'm being a, I'm a bit too much foresight here I guess but I would say De Bruyne is what 31 mm-hmm. 30 31 yeah. he's so key to what they do he has so many injuries in two years time maybe he starts to decline the thing I think Harlem becomes right. less effective but the thing is we're talking about City here like yeah. you just said, you just praise him for being Sterling and Gabriel Jesus and replacing him so well. He'll, ha- he'll find Fo- Foden might become to Bron- He'll find different yeah, ways. Yeah. He finds different methods. He'll um, go sign Musiala for a hundred million. Yeah. Oh, bro, that, that's definitely happening at some point. <laughs> um, just very quickly coming back to Liverpool. Liverpool are currently eleventh in the league, uh, ten points, one game in hand. If by some chance they win that game, uh, Liverpool would be. 10 points behind City and and play City next week. If Liverpool beat City, now I cannot see that happening in my wildest dreams. It'd be, uh, if my maths is correct, seven points. Could Liverpool somehow mount, not a title challenge, but a challenge for a second place or is that completely gone? Done. You can. (laughs) No, I think you can. Wow. I think you can. This is why everyone thinks you're a closet Liverpool fan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We've got... I've even got your yeah, good Klopp's book, and I want to get your first team coach's book as well. Um, wow. But... <laughs> What's going on here? You're a United fan. You're in a United shirt. <laughs> watching... We just saw Martial get injured and come off. You look like you're about to cry. And you're going, you got Klopp's book. You know what it is? I love it when people call me undercover Liverpool fan because it just, it just winds me up, and I want to do it more and more to like, piss people off. But no, I think you could you can definitely come second because I think Arsenal's biggest downfall this year will be their lack of squad depth. Hmm. Now, Funny thing is, Liverpool don't have squad depth, but I still feel like as much as Arsenal starting eleven looks amazing at the moment, if that Liverpool starting eleven gets going, we've seen what it's capable of. Like Mo Salah can win you games alone. Luis Diaz, oh, Luis Diaz looked looked amazing today mm-hmm. until he got injured. Like you could say, Liverpool were looking like a crazy. I uh, disagree. Sorry, Luis Diaz is. <laughs> He aesthetically is nice, and you, you know, if he was at, if he was maybe at top six, top seven club, he'd be, he'd be a streets won't forget baller with ten goals, ten. But he, he, he just looks good, but he doesn't really always affect the game. He got an assist today, mm. but his decision making is a bit sus sometimes. His end products a bit. He's not clinical like Mane. He's not like takes ten shots and scores a goal every game like Salah. I don't quite know where he fits in yet. And maybe it's because he's younger and he's a bit rawer. But I think he's... That's exactly one... what it is. 
That's, he looks that's, nicer on the that, eye. That's that's exactly what it is. He's he's a bit too raw, but I just feel like his profile is probably the best in Liverpool's front line. Like as when he picks up the ball, he's the most direct. And the thing is, like it's not it's not as if he's got any problem scoring goals. Like as in his record at uh, FC Porto was amazing. Like that goal that he scored against Manchester City in the Champions League, it it, it speaks volumes. But I feel. Mm. A problem for him, and it's, it's a similar problem that Darwin's having at the moment, and it's exactly like the problem that Chelsea had two years ago, which was when Lampard was in charge, Chelsea spent a whole summer addressing their attack. And they went and mm. signed three, four attackers, put them all out there week in, week out, and expected them to gel. But the thing is, you've now signed four players from four different foreign leagues. They need time to adapt to the league. They need time to adapt to the manager's philosophy. They need time to adapt to one another. And it was no surprise Havertz looked poor. It was no surprise Timo Werner looked poor. Hakim Ziyech looked poor. When you look at that Liverpool front three, you've now got Mo Salah, who's used to playing with Firmino and Mane week in, week out, season after season. And now he's being asked to play with a completely different profile up front. Darwin Nunes is not Bobby Firmino. So that means Mo Salah is now going to have to tweak his game. Then you've got Luis Diaz, who's not a Mane, which means um, similar to, to, Darwin, to Darwin Nunes and Mo Salah. Diaz and Darwin are now going to have to try to find a way to make it work. And you could even see, like, Andy Robertson hasn't been the same player. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been the same player because he's been used to playing with Sadio Mane week in, week out. Now he's got a Diaz. So Liverpool, I feel like, even though they've recruited and they're trying to freshen, freshen up their attack, it's too many new faces at the same time. And at the end of the day, you can't put a time frame on when a player will adapt. Some players like Haaland, they don't need time to adapt. They've, they've adapted from day one. But football has shown us that some players, it might take them two years, it might take them three years. So I think that's that's another problem that many people don't mention. When the, talk the, about the other big thing is Liverpool have a... The entire team is... Every player is sort of a system player. City mm. don't have system players. And that, say that, yeah. Pep sort of tinkers willy-nilly. So Haaland comes in, and before he came, the theory with everyone, which turns out to be correct, was they'll create five chances a game for him. So he's going to score a lot of goals. It's a given. Whereas for Liverpool, you look at Mane was Liverpool's system player to come inside to allow Robertson around the outside, make diagonal runs in behind the centre-back, in between the full-back, Trent whipping those balls in, in diagonal areas, Salah picking up the pieces in the middle of the box. Diaz doesn't make runs. Diaz actually wants to go to the byline, beat his full-back, then beat him again, and then look for a pass. And that immediately makes your front line slower or just different. Darwin Nunez to Firmino, his chalk and cheese. Um <laughs> I think what's probably really telling is Firmino has suddenly become a goal scorer, which tells you that that system has changed a little bit. Something's changed there. Um, I do worry a little bit about Salah, um, but I'm sure we'll talk about Liverpool many, many, many more times. And if Arsenal fans are listening to this thinking, wow, we've just beaten Liverpool, we're going to compete for the title. The reason we're not talking too much about Arsenal is because we have plenty in the pod. And also, I feel like this run is going to go on a bit longer. And I think you deserve a much longer conversation uh, about Arsenal being title contenders. Uh, Hadj, I'm just going to very quickly touch on something. Martial's come off injured and then Bruno's just picked the ball up on the halfway line with <laughs> loads of time and just kicked it straight back to Everton. <laughs> what a guy, man. Yeah, Bruno's agenda is strong. <laughs> what a guy, man. Um, but surely well, you're giving up on Martial now. Surely. How many times can a man get injured? How many false starts, false dawns? Oh, you know what it is? Bruno's just scored. What? Am I behind it? Oh, it's offside. He's, he's had a shot. It's been blocked. He's come back out. He's had a shot. It's been blocked. He's had another shot and he's eventually gone in. And Ronaldo's wide open. What a boy. What a guy, man. Um, all right, moving away from Liverpool, moving away from Klopp, uh, who we're rumouring to be sacked. Brendan Rodgers is actually currently odds on to be sacked at Leicester. Mm-hmm. 
it is a bizarre situation. The bottom of the league, they led against Leicester. They smashed Nottingham Forest last week. Uh, sorry, led against mm. Bournemouth. Bournemouth come back and beat them. One win in eight. They've conceded 21 goals. They've only scored six, which I imagine Madison's probably scored three or four of those. Um, Hadj, where has that gone wrong? Danny Ward. <laughs> <laughs> Danny Ward last week was described as a hologram, Hadj, by That's the way. That's gone wrong. <laughs> That's, nah, da- Danny Ward is a massive problem. Like, I, I forever ask this question. I'm like, all right, cool. The backup is Iverson. Are you trying to tell me Iverson is, is worse than Danny Ward? Because if that is the case, how on earth did you make it pro? Like, I have to ask that question. But, no, that Danny Ward is, is a liability. Like, that goal yesterday, I, I can't remember if it was the second or the first. The star it's jump. Up. Bro, like, I've, that, that's something that I would do at a power yeah, yeah. I'm not a keeper. I'm not Why a keeper, are you so... star jumping? You just, just pick yeah. it up. <laughs> so, it's it's poor. But I think, I think in terms of the keeper problem, I feel like they must be annoyed where Kasper Schmeichel just says he wants to leave, what? two, three days before the transfer deadline. So it does leave them in a position where we know money's tight. Mm. You can't spend that much money. Like even the money that they generated from selling for Fana, apparently the club used it to cover other expenses. So your keeper goes, you haven't got time to sign a replacement. And I've always said it, like clubs don't like doing business at the end of the transfer window because yeah, I can, I can sell you a player, but now I've got the problem of having to replace him. And clubs don't want to sell towards the end. Like most man, most clubs want their players in for preseason. So the keeper is a problem. I think defensively, I like Johnny Evans. I really do. Like he's a Premier League veteran. I think he's had some very good years, but you could see he needs legs next to him. And as much as I think that Fies guy has done okay, he doesn't really have the legs. And once again, they're going to need time to build a partnership. I think their fullbacks... Ricardo Pereira, the season starts, boom, injured, six months. James mm. Justin is coming back from another big injury. The midfield, I think the midfield is, is that the fact that Tielemans, everybody knows that the club is leaving, I feel like you could see maybe his performances have dropped off because he's not that bothered. Like, yo, Leicester can get relegated. I'm out of it. It's weird care. though, because all summer he was meant to be going and then nobody bidded for him. He was nowhere near leaving. Leicester fans mm. are going, he's down tools, but he's still starting every single week. Yeah, that's the, he start he's starting every single week because there's there's nobody like yeah. when I look at their their bench I'm like if they're losing who do you really bring on like maybe they they're blessed in attack you could say with Ianacho Dakar and Vardy but their midfield like who are you bringing on uh, Somare he's not the player that everybody thought he was mm. you're, you're looking at their wingers okay cool Harvey Barnes gets an injury you've got Iosi Perez he's not the player that he once was so. They don't have squad depth. I feel like Rogers needs to bin Project Vardy. It's over. Like, I'll be real. Vardy, it's it's very similar to Ronaldo at Manchester United, where it's like, you've given us great years. You've been a great servant of the club. You've scored goals. You've won us titles. You've won us everything. But it's now you've reached an age where we can't rely on you week in, week out. And especially it's a, it's a Leicester team. They don't really carve teams open. Like, you could say they mm. get a lot of their goals on the transition. So they need a striker that's actually got pace up front. And when he played Vardy against Nottingham Forest, I was like, you've basically got the Congolese version of Vardy in Dakar. <laughs> Dakar can, can run for days. And he doesn't play him. And it's no surprise he played him yesterday and he scored. You know, so, Rodgers' handling of strikers is just quite weird to me. Um, mm. Like, Kelechi and Acho was cooking last season. Start of this yeah. season. I think he started two games. And he's been subbed in both games. Um, mm. So, it, it's just weird. I, I think... <laughs> 
you know, Rodgers has finished fifth twice with uh, Leicester. They've won the FA Cup as well. There's obviously, as you mentioned, a Fafana thing. The owner had to pay some stuff off and he said, we're going to have to sit tight. Casper obviously leaves. who's apparently got issues at Nice with his attitude, which mm-hmm. is really like befuddling to me because when I think of Casper, I think like top attitude, top player, well, uh, manager's favour, that kind of thing. Um, I, in a <clears> way, <throat> I feel like Rodgers has been really unlucky. Like last year, they had loads of injuries at the back, if you remember. Both wing-backs were injured, centre-backs were injured. They had to rely on Yannick Vestergaard multiple times. Um so I do feel in that sense he's been unlucky. But then there comes a point where I go, he took Liverpool second, they flopped, he won something at Celtic. Leicester were in the top two or top was it top two or top four for like ninety percent of the season and then ended up finishing top fifth. Epic Cup final. He won an FA Cup actually. Yeah. Like at what point do you go like what is Rogers' level sake? Like are we talking I about sh- I think Rogers has a thing and he managed Watford at a point and this is when he was fresh and he was like, this guy is really very good. He was really exciting. But I think his career path since is a bit more always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I feel like he's, <laughs> he's, he's that guy. And I feel like it runs out. It, it, the batteries run out after a while and he doesn't know how to refresh. Um, listen, I think he's been, he's been dealt a bad hand. I think, you know, indeed his form just, falling off a cliff. Like at one mm. point I genuinely thought he was one of the best DMs in the league. Nah, so this yeah. this just just on this, right? My my very quick point on this is we do this so often with players, but in reality, like how many players do you actually see stay consistent for two plus years? Like lots of players peak for a season. But then after it's Jonathan Woodgate. Like no disrespect to the guy. <laughs> but like for a year he was unreal. And then after that it was like Oh, he's a, he's a decent centre back, but he's never going to be that centre back again. She's like yeah, obviously not. He had like one bang in season. It's not gonna happen like people in in 10 weeks, you'll be saying Almiron's a top winger. Next season, you go, what's happening to Almiron? He, he was a top winger. I genuinely, like, I genuinely watched Indian and thought he had like eight legs the way he would control that midfield. Like, he would, mm. it was everywhere. And I was, I, I didn't think you lose that. You, you don't really lose that ability to kind of, you know, at 25, 26, whatever age he is. So that's not helped. Um, I think Madison's distracted. You know, he, Newcastle want you. And then, like, at this point in time, Newcastle to be a more attractive proposition than Leicester. Says a lot. Thirty million are Jose Perez. Like it's a, it's a lot of bad decisions, plus not finding the value replacement coming all together at once. Um, I just want to say, Ronaldo has just scored, and uh, <laughs> Bruno and just barely, you barely had a reaction. There is that because you're a Ronaldo out guy? <laughs> no, but I celebrated. <laughs> it was a quiet celebration. You just well, Ronaldo no, scored. Oh, what a finish! <laughs> in the air, but you don't lose no, that. Really. Nah, with Ronnie, it's like... Nah, I, I, I love Ronaldo. Like, I've never... To be fair, like, I'll criticise him when I have to. Because, look, at the end of the day, like, I understand you're 37, 38, but you're playing in the number one league in the world. And, of course, I'm going to hold you to high standards. But, now nah, I've always said, like, Ronaldo criticism is... It's, it's unnecessary. It's exaggerated. Like, anybody that tried to say Ronnie was the problem last year, boy... Like, we can debate for hours about that one because it's, it's false. Like, it's just the whole team underperformed. Every single player from defence to attack underperformed. But Ronaldo was the problem. But I still stand by it. Like, Man United do need to, like, part ways. I was hoping it's this summer because I was like, I would just love a younger striker that we can build our attack around and everything. But it looks like he's here to stay. But in the summer, he'll definitely be gone. Like, he'll definitely be gone. And it's, it's understandable. I think he's going Chelsea. I'm so convinced. 
you said mm. this before. You said this in the summer. You were like, he's definitely I'm going to. On, on the basis of what? So I'm so convinced the American owner is about monetization and commercial value that he's just going to throw the book at Ronaldo and get him in. I think he just knows Ronaldo and Chelsea, my stock's high. In America, who's probably more famous in America as a soccer player than Ronaldo? And I just think there's a, it's going to be a business move. The Aubameyang thing, slight, maybe like 10% less convinced. I even think that's why Tommy Tuchel left. Also, just going to very quickly say, and we will talk about Pickford. Uh, I'm going to get a quick yes or no from you. Pickford should have saved that. Uh, is Pickford in England's number one, Hodge? Pickford for England's number one. So I'm, I'm not a fan of Pickford. I think just passion merchant. Just... <laughs> nah, I can't stand him. And do you know what it is? I've got something against keepers that wear caps. Like, I don't know what it is. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, it's it's a wild one. It's just, it, it drives me crazy. Like, I remember last year, no, sorry, not last year, when... There was that little period when Dean Henderson started playing for Man United and we played Burnley. The game started and I'm like, why is he wearing a cap? Like, I get it. It's like 25 degrees and everything, but it just drives me crazy. Like, it's just, they're being a bit too dramatic. Bro, I don't like, think it's to do with the temperature, though. I think it's to do with blocking the shade. No, 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 because it's like, the thing is, the opposition keeper's not wearing one. So it's just like, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just caps from a young age have driven me crazy. And yo, it's always the English keepers that wear caps. So it's... it's I'm dying. I'm actually Amazing. dying. That, so, that's your ick. I never knew you could have an ick for a footballer, but it's caps. Nah, oh. man. Nah, they, they, they drive me crazy. Yeah. But now nah, Pickford, with England, he performs. With England, he, he he does do well. But I feel like... I like Nick Pope. I really do, man. I like I like Nick Pope. I think... Ugh. I think Henderson shit. Like, like, sorry for the language. Nick Pope stinks. I, I, I think he's horrible. And I've always said it. Like, people push out propaganda for Henderson, not because they rate him as a keeper, but it's because they just dislike David De Gea that much. Mm. So it's like me, like when, when we had Andres Pereira playing the 10 and we signed Bruno, I was Bruno's biggest fanboy. I was telling you, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what I was saying. Maybe I said Bruno Ballon d'Or or something as wild as that. <laughs> but, that but that's because of how much I hated Andreas Pereira as a number 10. But I swear to God now, like Bruno can go play in the Saudi league as far as I care. Like I can't stand him. I'm just going to get the, your next favourite player I'm just going to get up to wear a cap and be like I hate you now <laughs> we're going to head for a very quick break when we come back we're going to talk about managers stroke players that made us fall in love with the game everyone demanding nostalgia we're bringing it to the pod Hadj when you think back to the the beautiful game, we've just spoken about Ronaldo and you love Ronaldo, but obviously you don't think he's got a future at United. Is there anyone that you think back to and go, that player or that manager made me fall in love with football or made you like have a feeling, like a, a certain feeling in your belly towards the game? I'd say Dino was the standout. Dino was definitely the standout. But like growing up, the first time I laid my eyes on football was match of the day. Like I just walked into a living room, my dad's got it on. So I'm like, oh, sweet, football. Like, let me see what's cracking with this. And I'd probably say... What an origin story. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's like everybody's story. <laughs> so, but I'd probably say, and it's, it's probably an easy answer, like the most cliche, I'd probably say is Ronaldo. Because the funny thing is, I remember watching the Euros, Euros 2004. That was like the first tournament that I actually sat down and watched every single game. Like usually I'll just tune in every now and then. Then I remember, like, I was watching Ronaldo and I was like, I have no idea who this guy is. I have no idea who he plays for. But all I know is he is entertaining as hell. Like, 
constantly picking up the ball, constantly taking on players. And the thing is, Ronaldo always stood out because he had the gold boots in, in Euro 2004. And I think he was the only player with the earrings. Yeah. Like, there was even a, a part of me where I used to go football with my friends and I was like, boy, like, I need to, I need to perform like Ronaldo. So I was even like, like I'm Muslim. So it's like, we don't, like my family, sorry, like, they don't do earrings. So it's like, I was even getting like foil, putting it on my ears. Wild, wild story. Yeah. I was even putting it on my ears. Like I was like, yo, I have to play that like Ronnie. But <laughs> I was Foil, Ronaldo. You know? Yeah. I was like, um, no, Ronaldo definitely stood out for me. Dino stood out for me. Zidane. Uh a player that doesn't really get that much mention. I loved Guti. I loved Ooh, baller. I loved Guti, man. Like it was just especially at a young age, like nowadays when you get into football, you're always gonna be attracted to the big names. But when I was younger, it's like I didn't know players by names, I just knew them by appearance. And I remember like tuning into a few Madrid games and I was like, I don't know who this guy is, but the blondie with the headband is a baller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way you said that, like, we might need to pause after that. I might just clip that bit of that blondie with a headband. Yeah. <laughs> pause. That's all I need to hear. Um, I'm not going to lie, right? There's, there's. I had a little phase where... Guti was that guy. I was about to say mm. it could have gone completely left there, but Guti was that guy. Raul was that guy. I had a thing like any player who had that hair that moved when it was wet. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> when, um, like it'd fall on their head whilst they were running. Um, I, I, there's so many that I can. Fernando Morientes, Raul, Guti, bare Spanish dons, bare Spanish dons. Um, I had a proper like. I loved all of that. Um, and then obviously Fernando Torres at Liverpool naturally had a massive affection towards him because he was Spanish, he was fresh to the league, he had that sexy trim, the boots, he was paying as well. Um, beautiful which man. He's a, he is actually a beautiful man. It's a very highly debated topic, though. People don't think he was actually a beautiful man. How do you get the deciding vote on this? Because me and Saka think he is. Is he or isn't he? Oh, whoa, I don't, I don't, I don't want no involvement in this. <laughs> <laughs> knew, the funniest thing is, I knew that was coming. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I'm comfortable. I'll put it out there. Granite Xhaka is the best looking player in the Premier League right now as well. Just let him know. I'm comfortable with my. I just wanted. To, whilst nah, on the crazy. topic, Granite Xhaka is a beautiful man. When he smiles, I just I feel like he's my brother. You know, like I just I'm happy for him. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Uh, we know Hadj is not going to get involved in this conversation. So, um, oh, but let me just um, give some props I... to someone, by the way. Whilst we're here, yeah, Michael Owen, who I feel like because of how his story ended, doesn't get the ratings he deserved. But my first football memory, obviously, we didn't have, we come from a lower income background families, right? So when I'm younger, you don't have Sky Sports and all that. But my dad used to work at the Daily Mirror, and the Daily Mirror used to put three DVDs in there, right? And that's how I got access. So England five, Germany one, was a free DVD in this newspaper. So I've watched that. That's my first access to football. And Michael Owen scored a hat trick. And he was small and like quick and just running in. Like, I just loved it. He just made things look so easy. And Michael Owen was the first player I ever fell in love with. And I still do just have a soft spot for Michael Owen. Even though everyone slated him on commentary and stuff, I felt like he was slightly underrated, forgotten about. You know, speaking of Michael Owen, someone just sprung to my mind. Figo, like, obviously I'm South Asian. Ooh. Figo looks like every uncle I've got in Pakistan. <laughs> like, I swear to God, like they all look exact. They're built like him as well. And they've all got like a ha hairy chest, hairy face, like all of that. But they've got like the clean, like green, clean shave, shave look with like the Put Figo hair. in Salvar Kameez and Bata Chapalier and his uncle. That's 100%. <laughs> 
Yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's that guy. Um, any managers? Um, obviously, Sir Alex for you, Hadrum. Guessing. Do you know what the funny thing is? I love I love Sir Alex, but for me, and I think this is just more their personality, like their aura. I, I, for me, like manager goats. And let me just put it out there, like in case this gets clipped. The suspense. It's got nothing to do with what they've won. It's just the manager that like I connected with the most. I love Mourinho. Like Mourinho is me. It's just full on me. It's like thinking you're the best and then going out there and show showing showcasing it to the world, silencing your critics, and especially young Mourinho, that that arrogance. Like, don't get me wrong, I hated that Chelsea team. You don't understand. Like, I hated it. Like a mad thing as well is like I remember when I think he scored Aaron Hunt, the the Reading player, mm. when he clashed with Peter Cech. And then Czech was out for a year. You don't understand. I celebrated that like a World Cup final goal for Iraq. <laughs> I, I, it sounds wild. I oh know. Oh my god! You, you don't understand because Ooh. I'm a Man United fan, and Czech, like in my opinion, Czech is the Premier League goat for goalkeepers. Like I don't mm. think anybody even comes close to how good he was. You don't understand. Like even when Chelsea were playing poor, you can't score. Like, you just couldn't score against him. And when he got injured, I was like, yo, I know Carlo Cudicini is the replacement. He's not good. That so, is massively like, slept on, you know. 11 goals, was it, I think, in the yeah. whole season. Like, as a kid, I was younger then. Mm. You didn't deep the vastness of that. But that is fine. I don't think I'll ever be broken. 11 nah, in 38 Czech, games. I think this we're so amazing. obsessed with ball-playing keepers now, we've forgotten how good Czech was. It's like, it's like Had just said there. That statement, though, is crazy to me. <laughs> what you just said then... <laughs> the man nearly got paralysed. <laughs> and he's like, ah, oh, celebrate it. Let's go. Football over everything. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, Hadj went very quickly from Iraqi to Brexit. Um, <laughs> but there you go. Uh, as always, we'll leave you with an icebreaker that you can answer on social media and we'll discuss your answers at the start of next week's episode. Uh, this is an interesting one. Which player is the media's darling? I.e., which player do the media love, but fans deep down go, he's not as good as you think, or you don't give him enough slack? The one mentioned to me, and it's not one I agree with, was Jordan Henderson. So let us know who yours is. Hajj, thank you very much uh, for hopping on the pod, cracking debut. Um, hilarious. It's hil- some, of the, some of the stuff he's... I'm not... Ah. We'll let social media uh, handle some of the clips you've uh, put out there. Sakib, as always, an absolute pleasure. Uh, and for you guys listening, please like, follow, um, give the, the pod five-star ratings, comments, and all of that. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 